and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know, the podcast about classical stuff that you should know yep. by classical educators who you also should know. We're good guys. <laughs> and if you have to say that, doesn't that <laughs> yeah. And that's like the worst pickup line. <laughs> Hi, you should know me. You should know me. I'm, I'm a, a I'm guy. a good guy. Yeah. No, no, that doesn't work. Um that's just got weird. And um, my name is Graham Donaldson, and I am a English rhetoric teacher at Veritas Academy in Austin, Texas. And I'm joined here by AJ Hannenberg. That's me. Also a rhetoric teacher in at Veritas Academy. And Thomas and, Magby. And oh. English. Oh, and English. Well, rhetoric, English, yeah. Excuse me, sir. Yeah. Um, if we were Please. truly classical, we wouldn't have these right. subjects, so we would all just teach everything. Oh, there's a whole other... Let's have a topic there. Oh, Wait, there's a whole other... Con- Podcast, and we're also joined with Thomas Magby, Hello. Dean of Student Life. That's me, Lord of Fun. Yeah, okay, or <laughs> no one's ever called me that that's, before. But yeah. well, that's your job is yeah. to make the campus fun. That some people call me Dean of Life. I think Dean, I might yeah. have brought that up earlier. You have brought that up. Yeah, which sounds that. that's that's a weird one. Um, Isn't that that's God? God. That's God. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Ambassador of Fun, Dean of Fun. Um, uh, someone someone called me a. Um, an ombudsman of fun. Oh, like That's that. it. Someone um, called me a cruise director last week. Like, I'm, I'm a metaphor for my job is that I'm a cruise director. So, yeah, yeah, all those. Yep. Also, Dean of Student Life. You make sure that all the puke is, like, in places that no one can see it? <laughs> yep. No, no one has puked during any of the things that I plan. I'm assuming that's what cruise directors do. Oh, they just got to make sorry. the... Um, anyway, so, uh, today, you know what? What? I just can't remember what oh. the topic is. I'm having a hard time I can't believe remembering it. what it is we're going to be talking if about we today. Let him do this. If only there was some kind of method that I could learn that could help it me hurts. retain information, I would be a better man, citizen, podcaster, husband, teacher, and human being. Listeners, you can't see that AJ right now like <laughs> holding his head. So there's that we just did that. Yeah, there's two things you need to know as a listener. Number one is that Graham asked to be the guy <laughs> to introduce this topic before we got here. Judas! And, and number two is not only was I facepalming harder than I ever have, but Graham was facepalming his own head while he made this introduction. It tasted bad as I was saying it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so today is a topic that's probably been a long time coming. Uh, anyone that's been in one of my classes knows this, so if you're one of my students, you may have heard this even more than once. But they and, would have remembered it. <laughs> well, they probably just haven't, wouldn't have clicked on the link after mm. seeing the topic, in all honesty. All right, so today's topic is the Memory Palace. And you may be f- semi-familiar with the Memory Palace. It shows up on the BBC show Sherlock, It right? shows up in a real bad way. <laughs> it's well, not... I mean, that's not exactly what oh the Memory my goodness. Palace is like. It's not super bad. It's just kind of inaccurate, right? He... He'll be like, I need to remember a thing. And he'll kind of close his eyes and poke his brain and it will spit out information. And he'll go into like his internal holodeck and just walk around and... Yeah. Well, I mean, that has some accuracy, but the whole like, it'll spit out things he didn't even know he knew, Mm. that is false. That's Mm. not a thing that happens. Um, But it is a real thing. Memory Palace, they're not just making that up. That actually is a part of this real world. And it was actually a much larger part of the world. Uh, a long time ago when, you know, pre-Google and pre-dictionaries and pre-encyclopedias and that. And, and writing. And, like, uh, and books, especially pre-writing. Books everywhere. Yeah. So I, I'll get to what it is in a second, but I'll, I'll talk about first kind of how it came about. And it started with a guy named Simonides of Sios, who was a really famous poet. He was famous for all kinds of things, not just inventing the memory palace. And one time he was commissioned to write a poem, I think for this guy's birthday. 
And I think the guy was a boxer. That part doesn't matter so much. <laughs> but he wrote this poem, and half of it was references to Castor and Pollux, mm. who were themselves boxers. They're like mm. the first classical boxers ever. So he get, stands up and gives this poem, and then the guy who commissioned it says, well, I'll only pay half. <laughs> Castor and Pollux can pay the other half because they split the poem with me. You oh. talked more about them than you did about me. Yeah. And so he's a little bit hacked. He gives his poem, and he... He hears that there are two messengers outside that he wants to go and talk to. And so wait, the birthday guy didn't like his poem? Didn't like his poem. Oh, all right. Well. Said that he would only pay half the commission that he had he had promised. Mm-hmm. So Simonides is understandably a little miffed, and he he's heading outside, and the two guys outside in some versions are Castor and Pollux, and some versions are just two guys. So he goes outside, and while he's outside, the roof of the place collapses. Wow. Oh, there you go. And roofs at this time are not light. <clears throat> roofs are made of rock, and it kills Everyone, that guy should have liked his his cousins, (laughs) the family, everything, and every everybody is just totally squashed and mangled. And he realized that from the small moment of time that he was standing in front of the crowd and looking out at all of these people, as he was giving his poem, as he was giving his poem, so he was even concentrated on something else. He had memorized the location oh. of every single person in the room. Wow. And so when their family members came and were trying to figure out where the bodies were so they could bury them in an appropriate grave, because, you know, they're all mangled because of the roof, he led them one by one to their family members. He said, I remember your guy. He was sitting to my left. <laughs> and he would take him and he would deposit them with their family members. And so he realized that this is a huge aid to memory. While he was focused on something else, he had memorized an entire room really easily. Presumably, he had memorized the poem he was giving, right? Like, he he was delivering it from, from memory. From memory. Okay. Writing, writing utensils were expensive. Mm-hmm. Writing materials were expensive. It, and it just wasn't very common. And so he... And I think you would have been sort of looked down upon in ancient Greece, if you use notes. You're like reading off your hand. Yeah. (laughs) You gave speeches from memory. And so he realized this was a really easy way to memorize things. If he could figure out a way to hook his spatial memory to memory of other things. So what he came up with is called the method of loci or method of place, right? Memory palace. And the basics of what it is, is a mnemonic device to help you remember things by linking it to your visual spatial memory. Uh, It's described... Luckily, in the Rhetorica ad Herenium, which is a book by Cicero, right, he kind of talks about this memory thing and gives you a bunch of recommendations for how to do it and all that stuff. And some of it's really good, some of it's really bad, and we're glad that he did it. He didn't even know why he was doing it. He's like, everybody uses this. Mm. Everybody knows this. I don't know why I'm writing it down. It's so ubiquitous. Mm. But I'll write it down anyway, and we're lucky because now anyone that goes to the Memory Olympics uses this. Oh, wow. The guy that has memorized, I think, the most digits of pi uses the method of loci, and he's memorized 60,000 digits. I, I read this morning that the, the guy who holds the most recent record for most digits memorized within 30 minutes, I think it was something like 1,060, mm. and these are random digits. Mm. But they use the method of loci. So anyone that is anyone in the world <laughs> of, mem- of memory. Memory Olympics? <laughs> the memory Olympics the knows the book. Memorizers. And uses some version of it. Like, even when memorizing random decks of cards Mm -hmm. and what number it is and what suit, they have it down to 20 seconds using the method of loci. That's insane. Okay. So, basically, before I explain what... You're you're kicking that guy out of your casino, right? Like, that's... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, haven't they built into casinos kind of 
checks against that. Like when you're playing blackjack, it's six decks, so you can't. Oh. And then they shuffle it when they're like halfway through. So counting Maybe. cards is I'm not impossible. sure, but um, AJ goes more casinos than us. Yeah, so I'm not that really, must be. Yeah. If if any <laughs> my movie... college buddies used to gamble a lot, and I would go because there's free soda, and <laughs> there there's, it was just fun to watch. He was really you know animated gambler. I've never been in a casino. I guess I never have either. Because I'm a Christian. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I guys, I just never been in a casino. We gotta go. I know. I'm not against it. Uh, Ma- Amanda, I'm against it. <laughs> I was gonna say, you know we're being recorded right now. <laughs> I am a bachelor. I can go to casinos all I want. Um, so all the, right. So the the name, so method of loci, so locus is it? Mm-hmm. So locus is a particular point or place. It's yeah. The method of. A particular point or place? Yeah, like method that. of place. So is he, when he came up with this, is he kind of reversing the, the the thing? Like he has his poem memorized. So was he standing up there and thinking about the face he looked at as he said the line of the poem? No, or, I don't think, so. oh, okay. I, I don't it think it goes even just, that deep into the story. Oh, okay. The story is related really briefly in the Rhetorica at Herennium. Gotcha. And I, I didn't read any, any other version, but it's brief. He okay. says, it comes from this guy who did this thing, and it's like four lines. Cool. Yeah. Because he figured out the method after the... Roof collapsed. Mm-hmm. He, uh, yeah, he, he did not memorize everyone who would be there to then give his poem. Right. Right. It wasn't. It yeah, he just did it by accident. Yeah. Gotcha. And so before we get into what it is and how to do it and how to do it easily, let me talk about why we memorize. Right. You have a Google phone or a an iPhone. iPhone like a real phone. Sorry, yeah. I meant a phone with Google. <laughs> okay, good. So you can use that to look up just about anything you want. And but, when AJ is podcasting, Thomas and I are just like furiously looking at Twitter and like exactly watching right. Olympics yeah, yeah. and Yeah, it's I'm not interested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm usually actually I am actually usually googling what you're talking about so I can attempt to make an intelligent comment. So, yeah. I mean, audience, we know all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so why why memorize, right? You have a phone with Google on it. You can you can get a dictionary, you can get an encyclopedia. What's the point? And I think the big point is that we're maybe misunderstanding what memory actually is. I can bet that when you look things up, you forget them pretty quickly afterwards. You've maybe looked up something on Google six times because you just forget it afterwards. Our brain isn't like a file cabinet, right? You can't look up something and just slot it in and have it there forever. Our brain is more like a web. The more things you know, the more you can know, right? So when I learn a new piece of information, say, uh, a definition, and I already am familiar with maybe the Greek roots of that definition. Well, that's one connection in my brain. And then I can think, oh, I know that I know this word shows up on this product. Well, that's another connection in my brain. Or I, I am now going to write this on my arm. Well, even that visual look at the word on my arm is another connection in my brain. And the more connections you have built, like physical connections in your brain you build to this piece of information, the easier it is to access. Right? There are more avenues that you can take memory-wise to find that little piece of information. Yeah, I've heard people talk about it by saying, like, you build up, um, like, structures of understanding. You don't need to mem- – um, there are systems of, of the way to understand things. Like, uh, if you can build up these little mental models in mm-hmm. your brain that they can do a lot of heavy lifting in terms of, of uh, uh, like – just knowing stuff like you need to build up. I'm trying to think of like scaffolding, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The more things you memorize and have in your brain, the easier it is to access new information and memorize new things. Mm-hmm. That's why learning the Greek roots is important, partially to decipher new words and also just to have that connection. Right. And I think we are all three men who lament our poverty of Latin and Greek. Yes. At least I know I am. I yeah, wish sure. that I had those languages down and I don't. And um, it's hard. 
when and you're our, old. It hurts when our students hate on it so yeah. thoroughly. They're like, Latin is dead. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I really wish I knew it. Right. Like, the more I interact with the classical world, the more I wish that I had that language. Mm-hmm. But they always get my incarnation joke. That, that, incarnate? The one incarnate, the is, yeah, that it is being in meat. And the kids are like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. All right, so... Our, our brain is like a web. The more you know, the more you can know. So memorizing makes it easier for us to access new information. That, and it's really impressive if you can remember quotes. <laughs> yeah. And if you're a Christian, then it's an easy way to memorize scripture and have that scripture never leave. Yeah, because I was going to say 60,000 digits of pi is not like... Useful. Does not a party make. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this sounds... Yeah, but I mean, I don't... I can't dispute that memorizing things is important. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Is, is this better than... is? Is this does this work um, more than just rote memory of random strings of data? Like, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, does yeah, it does yeah. it work on memorizing? Um, uh, like, for example, when we read Brave New World, they have this thing where they they do hypnopedia, which is like sleep mem- sleep memorizing, mm-hmm. where you play things in your brain and then while they're yeah. while they're asleep, and, like and then you don't really like you memorize it, but you don't understand what it is. Is this is this like does this help with understanding or is this only useful for I can know a thousand digits in thirty minutes? So, what do you? Well, I'm, tra- I'm clarifying. Well, so, in Brave New World, isn't it they can only teach by hypnopedia um, moral truths? Can they? They can only teach moral truths. They can't teach factual things. Yeah. Um, so you're asking like, so can memory help us? Can using memory palace I mean, help us? Does, with yeah, with moral. Type, yeah, yeah, yeah. Does memory palace help you only help you with just? Um, like facts. rote memory and facts, or does it does it um, does, that do does it help do? with comprehension? Yeah. Is it just memory, or is it does it help with comprehension? It can be a little bit of both. So in in my review, yeah, it makes memorizing random facts a lot easier. But one of the things you can memorize is matter. So say you go through a class and you want to memorize everything you learn in that class. Mm-hmm. Well, you can do it in a notebook, and I know that you guys may have kept your college notebooks. Yep. Mm-hmm. Did you? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. Mine are, oh, this is a heartbreaking story. So all of my college notebooks, including all of my undergraduate philosophy textbooks, so we had to buy the complete works of Aristotle. Mm. We had to buy all of this medieval poetry, all this medieval philosophy, um, all the way up to modern philosophy. I have books and books and books of it, and it is presumably still sitting in a box in the basement of my old rental house in Toronto. Oh. I forgot when we got married and moved, and uh-huh. came down to Texas, I forgot it. So, and it just breaks my heart knowing. It's probably like four or five boxes of just academic books. Have you ever tried just calling them or sending a letter? Um, or no, I haven't. I, I should. But the yeah. thing is, like, that basement was so leaky and wet. Oh, There's probably, probably just, like, big pack of sogs. Yeah, so you can anyway. memorize matter and concepts, mm-hmm. right? If I want to memorize an entire class worth of information, I, I, I haven't described the method yet, but I can use an entire city and place that information all over the city and then never forget it and never have to leave, you know, never have to accidentally forget my notebooks mm-hmm. in my basement. I can just have walk it. through my memory palace and remember these things. It ne- won't necessarily work with comprehension, like learning new stuff, but having all that matter in your mind can help make new connections when you are introduced to new information. Cool. All right. So how you do it? All right. So, and, and a quick address of, is it more effective than other mnemonic devices? I mean, really that's what this is, mm. just a, a method of memory. Well, Uh, If you've read Moonwalking with Einstein, which is the book that has recently, again, popularized this this method of memory, he talks about some experiments they did on the effectiveness of different mnemonic devices. And the the experiment is not my favorite because you have to memorize 
a series of like random digits and then repeat them after they ask about them randomly. Like I, it's not, it doesn't, it's not, not conducive to the memory palace. But what they found is that rote, like rote memory performed best half an hour after memorization, right? Really mm-hmm. fast. And then Memory Palace was just behind it in performance. And I still think that was because of the way they set up the experiment. And then peg words, which is another method of memorization, which Mm. is like one is blue, two is a shoe, three is a bee, four is a door. You remember it kind of like with an associating word. Uh, That performed far worse. And then a couple hours later, Rote had deteriorated below Memory Palace. And then the next day it was far below a week later, it was gone, right? right? The, the rote memory had disappeared and memory palace had degraded only slightly. So yeah, it's it's really effective. Yeah. Uh, and the reason it's effective, this is actually a great segue into like talking about it, is because the human visuospatial memory is far superior to any other kind of memory, right? As you sit listening to this, you know if there are dishes in your sink. Are there? No, I cleaned them last night. Ah, how about you, Graham? Yes, because I made something for the Olympic opening ceremony that involved dishes and I didn't clean it. Can you picture it? I can, yeah, I can, I, I, I can tell you exactly what they are. Did right you, now. did you have to memorize that information? Nope. No. Do you know if there's laundry in your hamper? I do not know that. Oh no, I do know that. Yes, there is. Ah, see, yeah. you know. Can you, can you tell me maybe what's on the back of your toilet? A, a wall? Yeah. No, no, sitting, sitting on the back oh. of your toilet. Oh, a calendar. Okay, calendar, a wall. You didn't have to memorize that. Right. You just know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you tell me where in my house the bathrooms are? Yeah. Yeah. So you, humans readily access this type of information. Uh, a lot of scientists will blame this on our evolution, right? We needed to know where food was. We needed to know where animals were. We needed to know where the best hunting grounds were and how to get back home afterwards. So human beings just really easily understand visual spatial stuff. And you've experienced the same thing in your own life. You ever seen a face that you're like, I know the face, but I can't give the context. Mm-hmm. Well, that's visual visual memory, right? And they've done experiments on this where they show somebody 20,000 images over the course of say 20 minutes. So it's, all, it's so fast they can't, there's no way they could memorize it. And then later they will show them two, mem- two images side by side. That's one face they've seen and one face they haven't. And they they can identify the right face, the one they've seen before, with like an 80% success rate. Crazy. Yeah. So humans are just really, really good at this. It's yeah. one thing that we naturally gravitate to. So the trick is trying to figure out how to take the thing you want to memorize and put it into this kind of framework. Make it visual. Make it spatial. So working with the grain of our nature. Yeah, working with the grain of your nature. Exactly. So it depends on what you're trying to memorize. Um, but here's the basic method. You take your thing. You turn it into an image. And then you put that in a location with which you're familiar. So uh, we, in my class, memorize the Friends, Romans, Countrymen speech from Shakespeare's Julius Caesar. And we actually do it. We're sitting in the room right now where we do that mm-hmm. speech. And I, I help them create a memory palace through the in entire room. room. Okay. And so we talk about each image as we walk through. So I'm going to walk you guys through a couple of my images so you can kind of see what I mean. Okay. Now, there's uh, Cicero talks about two different kinds of things to memorize. One is matter and one is words. We would say one is content or ideas and the other is phrasing or that sort of thing if you want to memorize specific words. So this is one for specific verbiage. Mm -hmm. And memorizing matter is easier. And he said that, yeah, it's a lot easier. You can get away with just memorizing matter. But if you do the more difficult thing, memorizing specific series of words, then memorizing matter will become easier because you're just used to doing the memory palace thing. The easier thing gets even easier. You can do it more quickly. 
and difficult things, memorizing words, well, you get good at that too. I guess I only, I only ever think of it for the memorizing words, not for the memorizing content, but it, the concept is the same. Yeah, if I wanted to memorize like the plot line of say the Odyssey, mm -hmm. I could spend time putting images of what happened in the Odyssey and I would actually probably know the book far better right. than I even know it now yeah. after several readings, yeah. right? Cool. Yeah. All right, so the way you do words is you actually have to supplement it with the natural way we do words, which is you just have to go over the phrasing again and again and again. And just like you do a song, right? You hear the song 12 times and then you know the verses as long as you get that first word, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Memory Palace is to kind of give you that first word. So the first set of lines is, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears, right? So you'd have to spend some time. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. And, and then you have to make an image out of it. So what I've done is on my door, it's big and green and Graham and bees are staring at it right now. Yeah. So looking at it from the outside, what you see is an ear lender. And he is, and, and the trick is the longer you spend with an image, the more vivid it becomes and the easier it becomes to recall. So you wanna make the Im images as vivid as possible. Mm -hmm. And you also wanna make them something that we naturally remember. So disgusting, amazing, funny, colorful, right? We don't remember pedestrian things. You're not going to remember a loaf of bread, but you will remember a loaf of bread that talks and wants to kill you, yeah. right? That's wielding knives and gets really stabby all the time. That's something you'll remember. Mm -hmm. All right. So you are looking at an ear lender. He is large, he is hairy, and he's wearing a wife beater. And strung below the window of the door is chunks of human ears. And so he is yelling out to the people that pass, friends, Romans, countrymen, Lend me your ears, right? He's an ear What's lender. the uh, interest rate on an ear lend? Yeah, well, loan. I'm sure I can work that out for you. An ear, oh, it's know. just a hair. <laughs> oh, gross. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, so friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. That's the first image. And then the next one is, I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. So you have to spend some time with the wording. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. So what if you had to make an image out of that, what would you pick out to make an image out of? I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. Like a grave, right? Yeah, I pick, like big dead body and then the shovel there. Yeah. And um, um, and there'd be maybe people standing there who are si saying praises about the body mm. and someone's hitting them with a shovel. I don't know, something like uh, that. You actually Is that almost your... built the exact image. Oh, yeah? So I, I have connected to my fire extinguisher just inside the door. There is a grave digger and he's tied to the fire extinguisher and he has a shovel and he is furiously trying to beat the brains out of a bunch of people that are praising on the ground, singing mm. praise songs. So he comes to bury Caesar, mm -hmm. not to praise him. Mm -hmm. And he's really grumpy that people are praising. So first image, do you remember what it was? Friends, oh, the ear lender. Ear lender. So Friends, do you remember the Romans, praising? countrymen, lend me your ears. And the next one. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. Right. So there you go. And the cool thing about Memory Palace is that once you have it and you have it in order, you can do it backwards. Mm. AJ, why do you have it in your classroom? Why not just have it in like a, why not just have these images in some like ambiguous black space? Like why not, why not just have like a, uh, these images side by side each other on like uh, a blackened stage? Why have them in your room? That's that's a great question. And then this actually goes back to Cicero as well. He, he says you can make up palaces. Okay. I don't like to think that's true. And when you're entering the memory Olympics, if you're gonna be a pro at this, one of the first things they do before you even practice is you just go and walk public spaces. <laughs> you go to museums, you go to parks, you go to playgrounds, you think about all the homes you've ever lived in and revisit them. You, you want to establish as many physical places places in your mind as you can. Because we memorize those really easily, right? You'll get those in half a second. And then we want to use those rather than a black space mm -hmm. for a few reasons. Number one, 
because those things have, I, I call them like little memory jogs, right? Mm -hmm. Little things that will kind of jump out at you. And you, as you pass the fire extinguisher in your mind, you can say, oh, there was something connected to the fire extinguisher. What was it? And for me, it's a guy that's tied to it, right? If you put four images in a hallway, there's nothing to make you stop and say, there's an image here, yeah. right? And inevitably, one of them will disappear. Mm. Cicero says, and I guess they had lots of arches back then. He's like, you can use archways, but don't use, say, the front of a Colosseum where it's like 12 archways in a row because they'll they blend the together. Same. They all look the same. Mm -hmm. Something is going to disappear. And I found that to be true. Whenever I use a hallway and try to put three in there, one goes away. Yeah. Right? I miss one just because I'm walking down a hallway and there's nothing to sort of jog my memory. Gotcha. And can you use the same space for yeah. more than one? That's what I was going to ask. So that, that's interesting. Uh, you, yes. Yet, yes and no. So... If you visit a memory palace repeatedly, it's going to be really hard to get rid of those images. And right. that's why, why this is so effective, because it, it's staying power. The more colorful you make the images, the more you visit them, the harder it's going to be to forget them. In fact, I was teaching this method to some eighth graders once using our memory verse, mm -hmm. and I still can't forget it. <laughs> but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him, Lamentations 3, 21 through 24. That's awesome. Right? And I can't, I can't forget it. I have tried. But the images are so good that I just, they stick in my brain. One of them is my boss with muffins growing out of his armpit and a guy puking on a desk and there's lambs getting plastered, drinking alcohol. And like, that's, it's really hard to forget once you have them. And that's an example of the more vivid and ridiculous and grotesque and hilarious, the easier it is to keep in your mind. Whereas if you just had lambs like chomping on grass in a field, you wouldn't be able to memorize it as well. No, they're getting ripped on vodka and watching <laughs> the TV show 24. <laughs> and that's to give me lamentations. Uh -huh. Three lambs. Yeah. 21. One of them just turned 21. Yeah. <laughs> so they're drinking. <laughs> so they're drinking through 24. The other one's oh, watching 24 on the laptop. There you go. So I, I, I even have the reference. Lamentations. All right. So uh, whenever you walk into the room like so you teach in this room every day or most days do you does, does that come does that speech come to mind when you walk in here yeah i, I can i can never forget it yeah. it's this that speech is tied to this room and i can never reuse the room i've tried and those images just disappear the guys who do the memory olympics what they recommend is either just don't visit leave it right. alone i mean after they kind of give their thing there's no reason for them to revisit the images so they often just go away and some of the some of their images get reused and or you mentally go in and clean the oh, images out yeah. of the place, kick out the ear lender, shut up the door, clean it, paint it, get rid of the ears in your mind. But I actually find that that doesn't help much. Mm -hmm. I spend even more time with the image and so it doesn't disappear. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. All right, let's keep going. So uh, we'll give, me, give us the, the, the next line. All right, so friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Caesar not to praise him. This is the next one and it's kind of tough. Mm -hmm. The evil that men do lives after them. The good is oft interred with their bones. So let it be with Caesar. Okay. So the evil that men do lives after them. How would you guys kind of connect this? Um, I would have... Um, I'm thinking like a shadow. Like yeah, like a, a shadow like, or like a, like like the, the evil version of somebody. So like with a goatee. What, like yeah. right behind them? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but living after them... Um, like death has killed one of them, so you have death in a big old uh, scythe and black robe, and um, and the evil one, the evil version of you, like is hiding in a bush or he gets away. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's kind of close to what I did. Yeah. Uh, so over here under my antlers, that's mm -hmm. where my next image is, and there's a guy standing there that looks very innocent, and a demon rips out of his chest, sort of wearing my antlers. That's how I can connect it to the the object. Mm -hmm. 
So the evil that men do lives after them, and he clearly dies because a demon just blew out of his chest. Mm -hmm. The good is oft interred with their bones. So that demon grabs an angel by the shoulders, mm -hmm. and the angel is wearing a bunch of jangly jewelry on his dress, mm -hmm. and it's all little bones. So oh. the good, the angel, yeah. is mm -hmm. oft interred or buried with their bones. So he shoves that angel underground. Mm -hmm. So let it be with Caesar. So I have Caesar jump in that hole after the angel. So it's kind of a complicated image, mm -hmm. and that's why doing it for individual wording is so much more difficult. Mm. If you were doing this as an idea, it'd be a lot easier to tackle than trying to remember specific words. Mm -hmm. And when you're using words... Because you need to remember bones, and you need to remember Caesar, and... And good, and evil, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like there's a bunch there. And I have... That's one image for a lot of words. Whereas so if you're just trying to memorize the concept, you could just... You, you, you wouldn't need the angel wearing the bones. Uh, if you're just trying to remember the concept of... Um, people remember, uh, people more rarely remember the bad things and not the good things, which is the concept. You, yeah. would, you would do something a lot it, more. It'd be a lot simpler. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I find that when I'm trying to take these abstract concepts, what I do is it's hard to take things like justice mm -hmm. and make them into something concrete that mm -hmm. you can make into an image. Uh, so this is an instance of where the more you know, the easier it is to make images. And this is especially true of classical art and classical representations of things because Justice has been represented visually yeah. already. What is, what is justice? Have you seen the picture? Um, there's well, the, the the more modern one is a lady with a blindfold holding the scales. Okay, so yeah. anytime you see blindfold lady holding a scales, you think justice. justice. Somebody that hasn't been seeing images or isn't educated in like classical representations wouldn't necessarily know that. Yeah, I think all the seven liberal arts have a, a visual a sort of. Uh, land, you know, thing associated with it, not just a person, but the things they're holding and often like where they are, what the, what the background is. Um, exactly. Or like wisdom, you could have Athena doing something, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Or if it, you were going to talk medicine, it could mm -hmm. be a rod with a snake on it. Mm -hmm. So there's like, there are representations of these complex ideas. And so knowing art history, because mm. they are representing these complex ideas mm. manifest is a really good way to sort of get yourself started here. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, you can use like rhymes with or sounds like uh, mm. that image, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. It's a really hard image to work with. So what I, what I did for that one is I had a guy with a phone on his head that was ringing so loud because it was calling his oh, mind, mind, right? This I call to mind, therefore I have hope. So he just barfs really loudly and it sounds like hope all over the desk. <laughs> mm -hmm. So this I call to mind and therefore I have hope, right? Yeah. He does that all over the desk. So. <laughs> it's it's just a sounds like, right? It's yeah. it makes it audible rather than trying to make hope some sort of concrete thing. Now, does this unfortunately begin to like to color your understanding of the verse? Mm. Because if you hear this I call to mind and therefore I have hope and you think of a guy who's just chundering all over the place, like if you're sitting in church and Chundering? Chunder. Chunder? Yeah, Google that, my friend. Chunder. Um it's, if, it's another oh. Canadianism. No, I, well, maybe I don't know. Uh from the name of a cartoon character? No, no. That's just uh, Urban Dictionary, that one. It, it originates from old seafaring days when sailors would get seasick and stick their head out of the porthole. There you go, Chunder. Chunder, okay, cool. Um, so, but if you're sitting and let's say... Oh, I'm sorry, as they did this, they would shout, watch under to warn people, and that eventually became Chunder. Because they're, they're, they're barfing <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> That's okay. Sorry. Um, so... If you're sitting in church and this is the passage that they preach on, how are you going to be able to focus on like the truth and goodness of the of the Bible verse and not just keep thinking about the hilarious images that you've associated with this? It's going to be hard, yeah. if I'm honest. But the idea is that at least you can remember the verse, mm -hmm. right? If I mean, if you're in church and you're hearing about the verse, then the memory isn't so much important. Sure, and sure. Those images will come up, sure. But 
The idea is that when I need it, when I need some encouragement, I can think, oh, I have a verse for that. I can go through my images and then leave them by the wayside and think... Maybe write it down and then yeah, just read it. Yeah, the steadfast it. Mm-hmm. love of the Lord never ceases. That's why I have hope. It's new every morning. And I've, it actually has come to mind a couple mm. of times for me. Okay. But I'm, so like your friend's Romans Countryman um, passage, you've been doing that for a long time. Like, mm. do you still need the memory palace for that? Or do you just have that memorized? I still use point? the memory palace because I've done it with my students. And... Right. It lets me start anywhere. So if they're memorizing it and they're in class trying to figure it out and I can start anywhere in this. And that's one of the other bonuses of this is that once you have the memory palace, and I forgot to say, after you placing your images and connecting them to objects, you want to do this on a route. Like already have a route planned through your palace that you walk. And that way, at least you'll have the images in order. Mm -hmm. And Cicero has some other recommendations. He says they shouldn't be too dark, Mm -hmm. obscuring the image. And that's... Dark in content or dark in lighting? Uh, Lighting. Dark in lighting. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it shouldn't be too dark, otherwise you can't see it, and it shouldn't be too light, making it glitter. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) And they shouldn't be anything more than... Oh, (laughs) Cicero. They shouldn't be more than 30 feet apart, or else you can't see the next one. (laughs) I'm serious. And... So some of these are really good recommendations. Some of them are just funny. Some of them are just funny, but hey, he's been doing this longer than I have, so I don't don't want to argue with the guy. Yeah. But what I find to be practical is just make it concrete, attach it to an object on your route, and as you pass that object, the image will come to mind. Mm. But there are some interesting things he does say. So if you're doing a ton of these, say you're trying to memorize an entire book of scripture, Mm. and you're doing it by chapter, right? Every room in, say, a building is a chapter of your scripture, and you want to be able to go to a reference, well, you can do it like one image per verse, Mm. and then every fifth chapter, you you have some sort of symbol that tells you, unlike on the door. And so he says, so maybe every fifth you put in a golden hand. Or every tenth, I think he said, you put in your buddy Decimus. (laughs) Deci for ten, right? Or we could could have some sort of version of something that has to do with ten. What would would pop up for you guys to put on the door? Like a golden hand for five, what would be ten? Like someone giving you a dozen cookies, but his mouth is full. That's food. a really complex image <laughs> no, for ten. Okay. Well, I'm just saying. I, I, for me, maybe it would just be like a person diving and somebody holding up a ten oh, yeah, judgment card, mm-hmm. right? So an easy thing for ten, and then so that's how you think. And someone says, "Hey, what's uh, chapter five, verse six? Well, you go to the fifth door, the one with the big golden hand. You walk into your sixth image, and there you have it, mm-hmm. chapter five, verse six. And even just doing it this way allows you to jump in anywhere. Mm-hmm. I can start in anywhere in this speech because all I do is walk past the first six images and start with the seventh mm-hmm. and continue from there. All right, what's the seventh image? Uh, seventh image. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He hath brought many captives home to Rome <laughs> whose ransoms did the general coppers fill. Did this in Caesar seem ambitious? When that the poor have cried, Caesar, Caesar hath, hath wept. wept. Ambition should be made of sterner stuff, yet Brutus says he was ambitious and... Brutus is an honorable man. Good old Brutus. Yeah, and and you can <laughs> do impressive. It. Good job. Really good. And you can do it again. backwards, yeah. mm-hmm. just by walking backwards through the images. Well, longtime listeners to the podcast have heard Hannenberg do all of the prepositions. Yes, I still and have it. And you did them and backwards. I can do them backwards. And they are memory palace, right? They are memory palace. That's They're insane. in my uh, childhood home. Wow. Mm-hmm. So cool. I have that one, and then I have friends, Romans, countrymen in here. 
the the memory verse that I memorized was done in the old office that actually doesn't exist anymore. But I was familiar enough with the office that it, has but it sure in my does mind. exist in your mind. Yeah, exactly. What are, what other locations have you used? Uh, those are the three primary ones that I've done. I haven't had to memorize anything super huge. I've been wanting to memorize a couple of other quotes from Julius Caesar, but th- those ones are my major ones. The yeah. I walk my students through those palaces, and this is something I just wish I had in college. Mm. Like think about how much how much easier. At tests would have sure. been so with this trick. Especially if you're, if you know the place where you're going to be taking that test. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be that, but if you're, if you know the place you're going to take the test, and the speaker means this, and this whiteboard means this, and I think it'll be really helpful for like a final exam or yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. So my students have found a couple of things. Their main complaints about this system is one that it takes longer. Mm-hmm. It's not as quick, and it, and that is honestly the the honest truth. Especially if you're trying to memorize specific wording, like it does take longer. But the effort is one of the things that helps you to memorize. And once they have it, it'll never go away. Festina lente, right? Like make haste slowly. It's, exactly. This is, yeah, the best way to do it is the right way. <laughs> and so I can ask the kids who used Memory Palace for some of their recitations, and they have it. And the kids who didn't will skip whole chunks of it. Mm. The kids who did Memory mm. Palace won't miss those chunks mm-hmm. because they're walking past an image that reminds them. Mm-hmm. Right? They'll know that there's a big gap there, and they'll take enough time to figure it out, whereas... Some kids will just skip it because their rote memory doesn't trigger mm-hmm. a couple of lines and they lose 15%, right? Uh, the other criticism I find is like, they're just like, I'm not creative enough. I can't come up with images. <laughs> and that just sounds like laziness to me. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's trouble making things concrete mm-hmm. or they want to be able to just do the images and not spend time with the wording to get the wording down correctly mm-hmm. is probably what's going on. But and then that's just another time concern, isn't it? Yeah, just another time concern. Yeah. But what was it? Mr. Troy did this recently and he mm-hmm. memorized an entire... It was the Veritas Valiant poem. Um, that, yeah, the description of who a Veritas Valiant is. I don't remember what he used for his memory palace, though. But it was a memory palace yeah, and, it and he memorized he, it in, what, an hour? It, yes. I, I've been working on it for... A, Quite a bit longer than that, and he got it in one hour. It was very frustrating. So but maybe he's yeah, he's gotten calls. all geeked up about it. He read the book, and yeah. he's Troy's really. Um, I don't know. I, that's just raises another question. Are there people for whom this is just easier, mm. an easier method? What do you mean? Oh, I just um, some people better at Memory Palace. Than yeah, or, or I mean, I'm just thinking like, what are the what are the skills that predispose you to having this be an easier time? And I, like, for example, coming up with images. I mean, there are some... Practice is part of it, I think, and being willing to make things weird instead Mm -hmm. of just having, like, a baker have a A loaf of bread that's going to stab you. Yeah, or a guy beating an oven to death with a loaf of bread. Mm -hmm. Like, even just a pedestrian image you can make ridiculous, Mm -hmm. and some people are afraid to go there, don't spend enough time with it, or... Gotcha. I don't know. So it's using it uses a specific part of memory. So someone who has a uh, less capacity for sensory memory would do less well at this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then y- you gave a talk quite a while ago on metaphors, and so I'm sure someone who is better read and has access to more metaphors would be better at this than someone who doesn't. Yeah, I think if you have a bigger reservoir of imagery, right. just in right. anything, it's it's helpful. Yeah, exactly. Um, so a few recommendations as you do this, as you jump into the memory palace, if you want to memorize things. And I rec- I mean, at least do some quotes, things you want to remember that you can pull out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. That's that's always handy. Or if you need to memorize, uh, say, a menu for your job, that's one, one thing you can do. But never memorize like a guy holding a sign with text on it. <laughs> that's good. It's honest, honest to goodness. You will for- remember the guy. You will remember the-, the sign. But text does not stick in our brain because we see it so often. Mm-hmm. So... Unless the text is doing something amazing, like every one letter is eating all the other ones, mm. you just won't remember it. Yeah. You remember everything else about it. So never use text in an image. It's it's just bad. 
just like when you have a study guide and you can remember where something was written, but not, not what. what was written there, that's right. why we don't use text. So don't use text. Make it violent, ridiculous, hilarious, colorful, disgusting. Those things will stick with you more than something boring will. Always attach it to an object because that object will help to jog your memory and follow a route every time. Mm. Like those are the big recommendations I have for this. And this is what we do. We teach this to our seniors when they do their 20-minute memorized thesis. And we tell them to either think about their childhood home and place the different sections of their thesis in that home uh, or paragraphs of that thesis in their home. Or we also have them try to do it on the stage they're going to be standing on. Um, One thing that we just sort of learned the past couple of years of doing thesis is that the students who memorize pacing or if the students are wandering around campus and they're memorizing to themselves, they won't be able to deliver it on stage without like wandering, without moving. Mm -hmm. There's something too, so not just the physical space in your minds, but there's also about the way that you memorize and how you're holding and carrying your body that that, uh, affects the memory as well, right? Yeah. Um, And for our seniors, when they're memorizing this huge 12-page monster, they're not going to be able to do every word. Yeah, yeah. The words are already familiar because they wrote them, which makes it easier. But what we recommend is that they memorize maybe the, the beginning of the first sentence of every big paragraph, mm-hmm. and that can get them started and get mm-hmm. them going, and mm-hmm. then memorize difficult statistics or difficult wording and mm-hmm. concepts. Mm-hmm. So the next thing I'm talking about is this, and it starts with this sentence, mm-hmm. and then they can usually run from there. Yep. Cool. My best evidence for this is uh, a week or two ago, I was on the sophomore college trip, and um, I was driving one of the buses, and I so it's a group of sophomores, so they had AJ's class last year, and so because I'm hilarious, I made a joke about Friends, Romans, Countrymen to start off my talk, and so I stood up, and Friends, Romans, Countrymen, and then the entire bus <laughs> recited the entire poem to me, or the entire section that AJ was going through yeah. before, so even a year later, this wasn't something they just did for a grade, it like, has actually stuck with them, so this and, works. And that was because I, I walked them through an through. entire right. memory palace leading out onto the deck and then down the deck. And I've even memorized a little extra down into the teacher's lounge. Yep. I think there were 14 people on my bus and they cool. were all doing it. It was That's really amazing. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Good job, us. Yeah. So if, <laughs> good job, AJ. Let's get oh, yeah. Good job, AJ. <laughs> so if you're in college... But they're sophomores now, so they're mine. <laughs> yeah. If you're in college, please use it. Just yeah. try... Look, if you're still confused, look it up. Read the thing Cicero wrote. It's, it's actually pretty simple. If you're looking to memorize digits, uh, there's a trick for that. Um... The, the way that the guys do it, and they do the same thing for cards. They have every, they usually break it up into double digit sets. So zero, zero, you have a person doing an action with an object. So it could be God creating the world, right? For zero, zero. Hmm. And then zero, one, because it comes right after, who's number one? Uh, Tiger Woods. Hmm. It's Tiger Woods. Not uh, anymore. Driving. Washington. Yeah. That's what yeah. Wayne Gretzky. Okay, Wayne Gretzky uh, shooting a slap shot with a hockey puck. It is. Right? Yeah, he didn't really do much slap shots, but whatever. And then who's no, who's number two? Behind Gretzky? Ooh, debatable. Probably, uh, <laughs> probably like Bobby Orr. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. This I is say, there another yeah. famous numbered? I don't know. Hockey player? Oh, a famous number two? Uh, famous uh, Will Riker from The Next oh, Generation. Yeah, but he's number one. He's number one. Oh, yeah. Well, he's second in command. So yeah, I would go. have Will Riker, and he is... Flirting with aliens, mm-hmm. right? And so, if I wanted to memorize a he does. a six-digit number, and the six digits were zero two zero 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 one, then I would take the person from the first one, zero two, right? So Will Riker, and then zero zero, so creating, mm. 
the action from the second one, and then zero one, so the object. So it is Will Riker, and he is creating like a wizard, a hockey puck. <laughs> so it's like an easy way to just automatically make an image. Huh. It's really quick, especially if you've done the done the like early groundwork and mm -hmm. memorized zero zero up to nine nine. Mm. You can memorize a six-digit number like that with a single image. Mm. Do the same thing with cards. You can memorize three cards in one image and then stick it in your memory palace. And so they just do it in sets of three. Boom, 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 image, image, image. image. So I'm assuming that they would just have like their zero, zero to nine, nine set and they can keep that forever. Yeah. And then exactly. any time they, they do are, numbers. They are nailed to, yeah. the, to the wall and they yeah. spend a lot of time beforehand memorizing this set of things. Yeah. So they would say, all right, zero, zero to 10 is my family. So zero zero is my gra grandpa, zero one is my grandma, zero two is my dad, zero three is my mom, mm -hmm. and then I have like brothers and sisters and then kids. So that's one through 10. And then they can do like famous hockey players for 11 <laughs> through 20. Then they can do maybe favorite authors for whatever. And they just, they have sets all the way to 99. And they That's can like my ordered loves right there. It's like family, <laughs> hockey players, authors. <laughs> yeah, so they can use this trick to, to memorize any six digit number and then put the images someplace, come up with a story that involves the images and you got yourself 60,000 digits of pi. That's insane, that's crazy. That's, it's very impressive. So are we going to do that next? Are we going to um, memorize 60,000 digits of pi? Um, sure. No, no. Oh, sorry. Okay. I was looking for kind of like a hobby or something. So like, it sounded like Do a some volunteer work. <laughs> Good heavens. Do something else. Anything else? Bring yeah, some yeah. pie. Eat some pie. Eat some pie. So that's Memory Palace. Awesome. It's handy. Well, guys, this is good. So let's see, what are our things? Oh, so Catherine Ball has said that she no longer wants to point things out that we get wrong because she feels <laughs> like she's coming across as no. like persnickety on the podcast. Not. She's there, not, definitely not persnickety. Definitely not. So um, what we've decided is to criticize her yeah. instead. <laughs> Really, Catherine? Brown belt, black shoes. Um, but the other thing, this is a shout-out to uh, uh, a new person who emailed us. Um, I th oh, man, I can't remember his last name. I don't know if AJ has the email pulled up. But Father John is a uh, Benedictine monk and a teacher at, I think it's St. Paul's School in St. Louis, Missouri. And he listened to our podcast on logical fallacies and emailed us about um, getting some some logical resources. But I would just like to say, gentlemen, that we reached out. The, the Benedictines are listening to us. Father John McCusker. And I, I don't think I was much help. <laughs> that's, that's the problem. He but, asked for some stuff, and I don't know how much I actually gave but him. But, uh, like, this... Like the Reformation, we've solved it. Like the Reformation's <laughs> over, right? Yeah. Like we've bridged the gap, Catholic and Protestant <laughs> coming together for knowledge. Uh, buckle uh, up for knowledge. Man. Buckle up for yeah, knowledge. I mean, it. this is ecumenism at work. Yeah. Um, anyway. But, Congratulations, everyone. But shout out to Father John and the good work he's doing in St. Louis. Uh, we hope that the book recommendations that Handenberg sent out are helpful. They, they probably are. No, no, <laughs> those books are good. And um, if any of you are... I, I sent him a college textbook for the like one week logic primer he's going to do with his students. So I give him way more than he can possibly synthesize. And if any of you are his students listening to this podcast, uh, stay sorry. in school, listen <laughs> well. He sounds like a good man, doing good things. Logic is fun. And um, thanks for listening. Can, I, can we do a classical stuff we got wrong? Can I? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yes, yes, we definitely uh, can. Kind of, it's, it's more clarification. Um, so many episodes ago, I said that um, Veritas Academy only requires one year of Latin to graduate. And so... Um, I work primarily with the high school, and so what I'm thinking of when I say that is that a high schooler needs one credit of Latin to get a high school diploma, or whatever the Veritas uh, diploma from from here. 
Um, but a student who is enrolled at Veritas, they will be taking Latin from elementary school into middle school, um, and then ultimately in the high school as well. But it's just one high school credit is what I was referencing before. So I just wanted to clarify that. Cool, cool. Cool. So uh, that was classical stuff you should know. The, uh, the first person who can come to us and repeat word for word <laughs> yep. this entire podcast <laughs> using the Memory Palace will win a classical stuff you should know T-shirt. Yeah. Or None could, of those things exist. We could record their answering machine message. <laughs> That's something we could do yeah. really easily. Yeah, for the memorizing 50 minutes of a podcast. Uh, yeah. 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 Seems like a good return <laughs> on Seems investment. Seems like a great return yeah. on investment. But, so thank you for listening to Classical Stuff You Should Know. If you have any questions, concerns, comments, uh, things you want us to cover, criticisms, just fan art, um, all those sorts of things. You can email us at classicalstuff at veritasacademy.net. You can visit us at classicalstuff.net. Uh, you can find us on wherever you get your podcasts. And you may have noticed, I'm because this is going to be in the future from where we are now, you may have noticed we have a new logo mm. on our um uh, stuff. On our on our stuff, <laughs> on all our stuff, and you can also find us on the Twitters. Mm. I don't can't remember off the top of my head what our Twitter handle is, but I think it's classical stuff, but without the letter A. So classical stuff. stuff. Um, but don't. just a heads up to anyone thinking about signing up for Twitter: when you sign up, they will send you a billion yep. emails. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just our our we've been flooded with emails from them and a couple other places we've signed up with. And also, buckle up for sadness. Like Twitter is a kind of a sad place. Um, so classical stuff does not exist on Twitter, as Maggie just showed me. I don't know. We're on there somewhere. Don't worry. We'll start. We'll start following you. Start tweeting it out. Um, so yes. So classical stuff. Uh, do we have anybody with a commonplace book quote? I do not. I forgot mine. I also forgot mine. So this was well. Actually, Hannenberg, can you? Why don't you do you know the what? entire? I'll, I'll look up the thing that I wanted to memorize from Julius Shakespeare because it's Julius Shakespeare. Julius. I was going to say, why don't you just do the whole Friends Julius Roman, the whole Friends Roman countryman speech since you have it so eloquently memorized? Okay. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. The evil that men do lives after lives after them. The good is often teared with their bones. So let it be with Caesar. The noble Brutus hath told you Caesar was ambitious. If it were so, it was a grievous fault, and grievously hath Caesar answered it. Here, under the leave of Brutus and the rest, for Brutus is an honorable man, so are they all, all honorable men, come I to speak at Caesar's funeral. He was my friend, faithful and just to me, but Brutus says he was ambitious, and Brutus is an honorable man. He hath brought many captives home to Rome, whose ransoms did the general coffers fill. Did this in Caesar seem ambitious? When that the poor have cried, Caesar hath wept. Ambition should be made of sterner stuff. Yet Brutus says he was ambitious, and Brutus is an honorable man. You all did see that on the Lubrical I thrice presented him a kingly crown, which he did thrice refuse. Was this ambition? Yet Brutus says he was ambitious, and... Sure, he is an honorable man. And that's where my class stops. Cool. It's right there. Well, well done. Yes. Well done. Uh, I, I'm mourning his loss. Yeah. <laughs> poor, poor Julius Caesar. Poor Caesar. Okay. That was classical stuff. And we thank you for listening. And we will see here, talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Please end the podcast now. Boop a doop 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 a doop